This is Witches, Bitches, and Dead People with Intuitive Oracle Jamie Hearn. Jamie stirs the cauldron with witches, shamans, healers, psychics, and mediums who bravely share their power and give you insight into what conversations with dead people really look like. It's probably not what you think. Sometimes hilarious, sometimes macabre, and always informative. Hello and welcome back to Witches, Bitches, and Dead People. I'm Jamie Hearn, and today I'm super excited to stir the pot with Laura Bonetsky-Joseph. Laura has helped thousands of people take back their health and power by addressing and healing root issues. She's an experienced multi-generational healer and intuitive, psychic medium, best-selling author, speaker, award-winning advocate, spiritual teacher, sacred activist, and survivor of domestic violence and sexual abuse. She's also an approved teacher through the Jikidian Reiki Jikidin. Institute. Tell me how, how terrible did I butcher that? That's all right. Jikidin. Jikidin. Oh, okay. I like it. <laughs> I can say that. There you go. Uh, she's apprenticed with an osteopathic physician for more than 20 years, learning holistic health and preventative care, and has also studied with teachers and lineage holders based in Japan, Canada, and Greece. Her clients are diverse and inclusive from various ethnic cultures, skin color, religious beliefs, sexual orientations, and socioeconomic backgrounds. In 2022, Laura published two books. She's the co-author of Feisty, Dangerously Amazing Women Using Their Voices to Make an Impact. Her chapter, hashtag Me Too Family Courts, highlights what it takes to leave a domestic violence relationship in a broken system that punishes you. Her first solo book, published in October 2022, The Secrets to Healing, an Invitation to Healing Trauma and Other Root Causes of Chronic Illness, using the Japanese Reiki Gokai, is mm -hmm. that... Okay. All right. This book weaves her personal story, her work, the science, and the teachings with nine client case studies. Laura currently sits on the Massachusetts Domestic Violence Task Force, addressing legislation and policy for survivors of abuse. Laura brings an authentic, unique view with a unique talent and skill set uncommon today. Laura's podcast, Triggers and Spiritual Medicine, can be found on YouTube, her website, and most podcast streaming platforms. And we will be sure to include a link to that podcast in the show notes because why would I not want to support such a magical woman doing real important shit in the world? <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. We call my teachers always said, if we're going to be doing spiritual work, it's not important to also do sacred activism. So, you know, you, you can't have one without the other. And yeah, can't have one without the other. <laughs> awesome. So you have a really interesting story with it seems like a lot of detours and and various twists and turns. So where did you really start getting into spiritual work? It was funny because after I left my abuser, um, I looked at some of the books I 
I bought for him to say that, you know, would help him communicate better. All those things, you know, trying to help my abuser like be better, I guess. I don't know. Um, and they were things like Esther Hicks and, you know, Andy Wilde. Like, so, um, I mean, I was always kind of on the path, but I think I, because of my Catholic upbringing and because of, um, yeah, and I think because of the trauma piece that was unresolved. And I think when we go into spiritual practices, if you don't, just because you're gifted, like I come from multiple generations of natural healers and intuitives, but you still have to be trained to know how to use them in a responsible, integrable you know, way, right? That's yeah. also in harmony with and balance of nature. So, um, but I think because I wasn't in harmony and balance with nature, I thought I was being followed by this ghost, oh. <laughs> let's just say. And I did everything I could because I didn't understand it to shut down my window. And my, my one teacher said, you just didn't, you didn't like get rid of the gift. You just shut your window. So now things were still happening. You just weren't seeing them. And because of that, it was within that window that my abuser showed up. And spirit and all the spiritual things, even on the day of my wedding, were sitting there like hounding on me going, don't do this. Don't do this. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, those of us who are really connected in the spiritual realm kind of get it, right? Like, my, I never have laryngitis. I had laryngitis the day of my wedding. Not a single decibel of frequency came out of my vocal cords. Okay? Oh, my. We were supposed to have an outdoor ceremony. It rained only during the ceremony. So, like, <laughs> there are things, like, cosmically saying, Laura, don't do this, right? And I'm sitting there going, like, well, yeah, probably. No, that's just because I came from a broken home. That's just fear feeding. That's just because I, you know, I grew up in a domestic violence home. And, you know, this is a whole new path. So I kind of rationalized and made excuses. And then, you know, there were a lot of signs that I kept not, I kept ignoring. And I think it's because when I did leave my abuser, I was forced into opening those windows again. And so much so that, um, you know, I endured like significant trauma that could have been avoided if I just didn't run away, you know, and, um, you know, so much so that. Yeah. I mean, it was just a lot. I mean, what I went through was a lot and it took me a lot to get back into it. And I think in the beginning it was, how do I heal the broken me? And I was connecting back into spirit, not realizing, you know, how it actually overflowed into, you know, a business actually starting sure. because that was never my intention. You know, um, I, my intention was never, I had a med spa. So, you know, <laughs> why, why do I want to, you know, start a spiritual based business, you know? And, and I think that's also the difference. I came at it from a different perspective. I opened up a business because I was working on healing myself, healing my trauma, figuring out, trying to get answers. And a business was built without a business plan because people just started seeking me out. They needed um, you. They, you, well, you yeah. opened the floodgates and, and. They were I like, oh. Yeah. I mean, I'd be at a, I'd be at a business fair for the, the um, med spa and people would be like, oh, but I heard you do domestic violence work. I heard you do meditation and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, 
when did you hear that? Like, I didn't like, you know, so it kind of just all grew from there. And I think what I learned most than anything is it was spirit that saved me or else I'd be dead. Hmm. Literally saved me. And I think I was on my second judge in family court. And my first lawyer kind of hung me out because he had his own issues and whatever. Um, That's a whole story for another day. But I had, I was referred this new lawyer who his name was Christian. Like, let's go to all these little signs. He was Christian. He said he was supposed to be a priest, not a lawyer. He took (laughs) my case on pro bono. But then when my ex's lawyer found out about that, uh, it just became haywire. But he actually got my judge to recuse himself admitting bias in my domestic violence and custody case. Wow. And so before I hired him, though, I'm like, oh, yeah, another man, another man that's going to, like, tell me. I didn't even know at the time what coercive control and post-separation abuse was. Now there's, like, it's so bad in the family courts, there's legislation pending on it, okay? So one of my friends just died two months ago whose husband, she was an ex-federal prosecutor in New York. Her husband spent $3 million and 3,000 motions over four years. Just do the math. That's more than one motion a day to continue to harass, bully, and abuse the mother of his children. And she triggered a cancer relapse. And he he then upped the ante even more in family court to the point was, I cannot fight for my life and fight just to see my kids and have the right to breathe without being abused. So she went to Switzerland and killed herself. Oh my goodness. Do legal. Are you there? I'm here. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, that was weird. My my whole screen went out. Oh. Um, so yeah, so you know, it really so when I was going over the bridge and I was wondering, like, do I hire this lawyer? Do I not hire this lawyer? How do I know he's not going to be, because it's putting me in a vulnerable situation. How do I know he's not going to harm me more? That he's not going to help my abuser enable the continuation of abuse in courts even more, right? So two hours later, I was driving to the church I would belong to at the time, and I saw an angel in the sky. And I'm like, no, no way. So I took a picture with my cell phone. I only saw one with my naked eye, but when I opened it with my phone, I saw two. Oh, wow. And that was 2009. So I always was connecting, like there were stages of it, right? Well, and let's already- face it, 2009 cameras were not what they are today. So it's not like it was some fancy refraction. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't some fancy refraction. You know, I was already serving various churches doing mediumship. I was already, you know, doing mediumship publicly and professionally at the time. Um, And so it kind of grew from there. And I think just trusting, I kept going, okay, now what? Now how, like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Mm -hmm. And before you knew it, it grew. Um, And I just hired my last lawyer who basically got my lawyer to stop the patterns of abuse. Still not fully, but was able to put some things down there. And, but I always go back, like I got caught with my dad's estate coming up and I go, okay, how is this going to do? We did some ancestral work yesterday and I kind of got Laura, I'm sorry. I put you into this position. I'm sorry. I did this to you on top of everything. And I'm sorry. Things aren't going the way it should probably on Monday. Uh. Which means equitable, equal 50, 50. So, um, 
I may not get my stuff reimbursed and things, just, just things that I, you know, but I've always learned, you know, and then connecting with the land and connecting with the spirits of the trees. And before you know it, like I said, you're talking 20 years later now, like almost, you know, but it's like a business grew, but, and every time I try to go back into and put together a business plan and do all that stuff. No, too structured. It doesn't work in doing this work, you know, and I've been very vocal because here's one of my pet peeves for those of you who might be in the new age and I want to really lump it into new age communities. I was there too, because when we're learning and we're excited and we want to learn new things, new age communities are a great way to get your feet in the door to learn things about crystals and spirits and auras and, you know, all these fun things. But Let's face it, new age communities are built on a foundation of colonizer mentality, white supremacy, and take, take, take. A lot of the teachings were taken from very sacred practices rooted from indigenous ancient cultures. So when we come in with a lack of reverence and a lack of respect and integrity, we're actually creating a very problematic ripple into the universe. And it's not saying that there isn't benefit, but we have to recognize that and we have to unpack that. <laughs> That's super interesting that you say that because I am right now staying near one of the Iroquois reservations. And last night I was drawn to pay reverence to the indigenous people who inhabit the area. And that's not something that typically shows up for me. So I thought, oh, well, this is unique. So maybe it was your energy or, or one of your ancestors broken <laughs> me like, hey, sister, get on board. This is what we're doing. Well, you know, and I think, you know, it's funny because one of the podcast episodes that I recorded was with a friend of mine who um, was recovering from breast cancer, who does a lot of anti-racism work. And she talked about her journey recovering from breast cancer and how she was actually harmed by white women in her office, but it was the black woman in her office that rallied. So when she was going and unpacking, and she's very spiritual and very rooted um, with the land and everything else, she wrote this, I'm still trying to convince her into writing a book on this, because I think we as white women need it. And it was on the topic of how the burning times of witches influence white women culture today. Interesting. And when you really think about it, like I'm leading a pilgrimage to Ireland next year and a lot of it's you going are. to be, yes. And a lot of it's going to be unpacking a lot of this, especially the conditioning of what the church did to Ireland, which is a big taboo, right? So it's unpacking all that, that church trauma that what England did, what Rome did, you know, for a thousand years. And really how do we get like, yeah, we love the Ireland lands and the lands of Ireland. It's magical. Yeah, but what? It's still a repressed country, yeah. okay? They're still repressed. So even with the pilgrimage of setting up, everything, like the rental company we're using for the van is local owned. It is not like a Hertz or a dollar or enterprise. You know, it's not a major corporation. So it's very methodically done. But, you know, getting back to entrusting these roots, and yes, we call, but us as white folk, we don't even like even what you did, like we're not even taught. How do we even show up 
in a way that's respectful when we're coming from a very white dominated take, take, take colonizer American mentality. And if we don't own that and people are going to get triggered with me saying that, and it's not to trigger you in a bad way. It's to trigger you to say, you know what? We are all, all of us were conditioned this way. This is what American culture was founded on. So until we can address that, like I'm really doing this work actually even helped me get deeper into healing my trauma and generational trauma than doing so-called trauma work. Like, you know, so it's really fascinating when we start unpacking these layers spiritually, um, how it all interwines, right? Yeah. And certain people are really affronted by the idea that they are existing in a colonizer mentality because they say, oh, well, I have friends of color and I'm friend and I'm friends with, with minorities or whatever, but that's not the issue. Who so you're this, friends with isn't this, what so, is the point. So this is where I'm challenging. Like I'm leading again, a pilgrimage to Ireland, even though it's a white country, it's still a repressed country. And I'm, I'm intentionally seeking out where what people are paying, probably 90% of what people are paying to go on the pilgrimage is supporting local businesses directly that impact Ireland versus, oh, let's go to retreat in Costa Rica. We're going to go do some yoga and we're going to go do some shamanic work and some drumming. And, oh, and I'm going to be pocketing it all. But the way your so, voice just changed when you shifted into that energy, I mean, it's not funny, but I have to laugh because that's, <laughs> that's what we're doing. We're doing with ayahuasca right now. I see so many people that go, oh yeah, and I'm going to lead an ayahuasca retreat. Well, what's your relationship with dandelion, mugwort, uh, clover, um, you know, mullein, like what's your relationship with those plants? Because when I study with my indigenous elders, first of all, to really learn how to do a medicine, you have to do it for 20 fucking years and I hope it's okay to curse before <laughs> you should be able to lead anything like that. Mm. Ayahuasca retreats, if you say to me, yes, I went and I studied with a shaman for a year and now I know how to lead an ayahuasca retreat, I'm gonna run to the high hills. Why? Because first of all, especially if you're under the age of 50, sorry, ageism does play in here because it takes, it has to do with ancestral wisdom. It has to do with growth and you only get that as you age and it's surrounding yourself over a long period of time with, with elders. Like I, I think part of I did on social media today was I posted like being, I lost, we lost two important. One of them, I was really close to an indigenous elder this year. And I'm watching my, my grandmothers of varying one's Mohawk and one's uh, Maya firekeeper. And I watch the mm. two of them and I go, what if this is the last time I see them again? Oh. And, and I even asked them for a picture direct because usually we don't, when we're in ceremony and learning these things, we don't do pictures and things like right. that. And I said, I'm really regretting that my one elder, Una, who passed away this year, I don't have a picture with her. Oh. I never had one, even though I have all this time and she's taught me so much. And, you know, these elders who carry the wisdom, the real wisdom are dying. And either we have an opportunity to sit and just shut up and listen. But if you're going there with the intention of how can I use this and bring it home to create a business, 
then you're really coming at it from the wrong perspective. That's a colonizer mentality perspective. That's a white supremacy perspective. And if you are leading things like ayahuasca retreats, what percentage of your profits are going directly to the tribe and to the teacher who taught you? Hmm. Because if it's zero, then you are a colonizer and you're a white supremacy, you know, indoctrinated person. Like, so we have to do better. And, and there's a huge call. There's a, as we know, there's a huge shift, spiritual shift happening. And I saw it even with, with, with George Floyd, the level of white supremacy in the new age communities was very nauseating. And yeah, like you said, well, I have a black friend, but I want to say how many Asian or persons of color or indigenous communities come to your events? Because if it's all white people, then you're white supremacy. Right. And those communities aren't coming to support your events because they see that. Right. I, you know, I feel like I still have a lot of of my own unpacking to do. And I can't wait to go back to Ireland to sit with the ancestors, to sit with the one part of my own lineage. Because let's just face it, right here, I am sitting on Massachusetts and Wampanoag land. The ancestors were here. The Massachusetts people, the land I'm sitting on right here, were massacred, genocide. Okay? I am fortunate that I have a little bit of respect. I'm learning better on how to show up by asking permissions and with respect and reverence. And it's more than just saying you do it. It's it's with everything because I think us as American mentality, we just do even if we think it's good intention with with it without asking consent. On a bunch of levels. Yes, on a bunch of levels. Because if we're not doing it with the small things, we're not doing it with the big things either. On the thing, so it's like. How are you asking the plants consent to actually talk to them? Are you asking the little bug you want to pick up, the little cute little snake that, or the cute little bird that's flow up and you want to say, you know, oh, I just want to pick it up and hold it. Are you actually asking consent? Are you just going because you go, oh, it's so cute. I just want to. That want to mentality is a take, take, take. And it's out of, it's out of integrity. And, and, it's, and disrespectful to the whole. Right. right? It's, it's a total violation of individual sovereignty. Yes, it is. And it's in the, I'm learning more when I hear about microaggressions. The more we unpack, the more you get to see how these little microaggressions show up because they're in your blinders. Because until you actually start unpacking the bigger stuff, you don't know how the micro stuff is impacting. Like, I made an error this weekend, even in the community I was in. It was not intentional, but I mislabeled even pronouns with somebody. Hmm. It was very subconscious. And, and I just said, oh, I, my apologies, and I will do better. You know? So, um, and it's just, it's just honoring things from different levels without assuming. Because your assumptions, especially if you're psychic, like I see a lot of psychics and mediums, some of the most toxic ones is when we give readings without asking permission first. Drives me nuts. Because that's like Superman having x-ray vision, upskirting and seeing what your tits and what your vagina looks like with because he can because he's got x-ray vision. Right. 
Like, I'm sorry. People have boundaries. And if spirit comes in, you say, you know what? I don't know if you're open to this, but may I ask permission? Are you open to, you know, this, this is what I do. And I do have somebody here, but I'm not going to do anything unless you're okay with it. Because believe it or not, People get upset when you do that and you lose credibility when you do. An example was I had, I don't do Reiki shares anymore. <laughs> and it's because and I, I used to open up to varying lineages. And mm-hmm. now we just do a, what's called a Reiju Kai, which is only open to Jikit and Reiki practitioners. And I think with the Reiki shares was I had somebody I hadn't seen in a while who um, probably two or three years because their son had overdosed. And there was a new person in that came for the Reiki share that who was a white male who was trained Reiki by another white male. And um, when we went in there, despite me putting rules in place, when you put your hands on bodies, he went immediately to and put his hands on her chest without permission. Oh, And I was like, I asked her, I go, you okay with that? She said, no, thank you for asking me. I said, please don't do that again. I said, you need to go back and talk to your teacher. Your teacher should have taught you healthy boundaries and and consent. Especially being a male, you just don't put your hands on a woman's breasts. (laughs) But you'd be surprised. A woman doing it to another woman. (laughs) Like, you just don't do that without permissions. And... This is the problem that I see with a very new agey community. People do it. I've seen people say, oh, I they'll go and they'll buy a certificate online because they say, oh, I, I already have Reiki in my hands. I'm already connected to spirit, so I'm going to do this. But if you're not rooted with an elder or a teacher, and I really want to specify elders because it's the elders. The elders are the wisdom keepers, whether they are indigenous or they're Reiki lineage holders. My Reiki lineage holder is out of Kyoto, Japan. He's 71 years old. His mother studied with the founder of Reiki, okay, with Dr. Hiyashi. So, you know, whose son studied with Sui, who was the founder. Sorry, my my slip there. Um, But, you know, there's something to be different when you study with these people who've been practicing for 60, 70 years versus oh, I took a one-day seminar and I'm an expert. Online. Online. With no training hands-on. That is a problem. And it's leading to the states now wanting to regulate and control. And it's treading on religious. When when white people, one of my congressmen said this to me, one of my state senators, when I met with him on on a bill of them wanting to regulate these, these these industries. He said, it's, he goes, these practices have been practiced in China for over a thousand years, unencumbered by any government regulation, including in China, until the white man got involved. Once the white man got involved, now the governments want to regulate and tell us how to practice something that we've been doing in our families for over a thousand years. Shocking. I mean, it's obvious, but still, it's affronting. It is. so. You know, for those of you who are listening and you're saying, how can I do better? How can I show up better? I am connected to spirit. But if you're connected to spirit through a white supremacy lens, that's problematic. If you're doing healing from a place of martyrdom and not doing your own inner work, 
you're actually causing harm. So you really have to, the old ways are really need to come back where we need to look at how are we learning in these cultures? How are we learning these practices? Because it really takes 20 years to master anything. And if you haven't unpacked your own inner misogyny, your own inner white supremacy, your own races, inner, inner racism, all these things, because we all got it, because it's our American culture, especially if you're here in the States, yeah. you know, um, then you're missing, you're missing the, the really the big medicine that you have to offer. You're only giving it, it's like, I say, are you going and doing Reiki or doing a reading or are you just giving a glass of wine? It's not fixing anything. It's just giving you a quick, oh, this is so awesome. But healing really fucking sucks because if you're unpacking things, it's like, it's big. It's big because things have to move through you and you have to have a solid rooted teacher who has done enough of their own work who can guide you through that work. And I am just so blessed. I'm just feeling like I'm doing this almost 20 years now. I feel like I'm just beginning to understand it. I am just beginning to get it. Even though I've always, like you asked me, when did I begin this? I began this when I was a little kid, when I was in second grade in Catholic school saying, hey, I want to pray for my grandpa because he died. And he dropped dead a week later of a, of a heart attack because I had a premonition, mm. right? So I always had it, but I didn't have the teachers in place yeah. to help me do it in a way that's connected from a place of honor, respect, and integrity, also through a lens that is not filled with white supremacy. Well, and that's the, the, the space that I think a lot of people are challenged to self-reflect and say, yeah, that's what I'm doing. How do I do better? Yeah. I mean, we addressed some of it and because it was a delicate balance writing the book Secrets to Healing because it was, how do I address what I've witnessed in the last five years in the Reiki community, especially, where everything that is Japanese is being stripped out and still being used and called Reiki with no roots to Japan mm. and no, no honoring of Japanese lineages or cultures out of Japan but we want to profit off of calling it Reiki. And how do I call that in so Reiki practitioners can show up and do better and deepen their medicine while also honoring that my teachers don't like stirring up the pot too much <laughs> because it is a cultural thing because there is a concept called Kodotama. Kodotama means words have spiritual power, but us as Americans don't really understand what that means because to the Japanese, kurutama also means when you speak these words, it's an energetic imprint that's left behind. Mm. So it's not really just the words, it's the energy. So it comes from the physical body, the mental body, the emotional body. So I was challenged, my teacher probably wouldn't agree with me saying this, but for Americans, we would understand gaslighting, right? Right. So... And I would say gaslighting doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing because really what, what is gaslighting? Gaslighting is just kind of altering your state of mind, right? And, but because we say mantras, we say affirmations, 
but we say them, but the energy doesn't match the words we're saying. Right. And so it's the energy behind the words. So it's really important for us to understand, right? So, and we, we as Americans like to talk, 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 talk. And then we go, well, I don't know what I'm saying. And then we have no idea the energy, what we're creating that's left behind. And, right. and, I'm, and the I'm, ripple of that right. energy. I'm actually surprised I'm talking as much as I am on this episode because <laughs> I've learned to be like, sometimes like even when I do social media posts, I've gotten so much into listening that sometimes I don't even know what to say. I don't even know how to convey what I want to convey that I feel energetically because it's something that can't be conveyed when you're really tapped in. Words can't describe when you are really present and centered and grounded in a way like, I don't know, like I just remember going and rushing back to my teachers going, thinking I was becoming apathetic, that there was something wrong with me. And I go, <laughs> but I, I thought I was present. I go, this is like, but it was like present, but it was devoid of everything. Literally, it was kind of scary because when you're really present, I actually got scared. <laughs> Because I thought there was something wrong with, but I guess I was also coming from a place where I was diagnosed with complex PTSD. I'm off of all those meds. Awesome. So I've learned and I teach people how to take those triggers and turn them into a power. But, you know, when you're present and I go, but I was present because I, I meditate every day. I connect all this stuff. Right. And then this happened. I was like, boom. And there was literally a nothing, no thoughts no, nothing. It was a void. It was like a vacuum. And it was like, boom. And I was like, oh. But there's such power in that space. And it scares us. It, it does. It scares us because we're not in control. But that's when the mental body, the emotional body, the physical body, and the spiritual body are all present. It's not just one of those bodies or two of those bodies. Because like the Japanese see like each of these bodies as different. Yeah. We do mind, body, spirit, but we do it as one. You know, it's not, well, the body has its own wisdom. The emotional and psychological body has its own wisdom and the spiritual body has its own wisdom. So when you're going through something, how is it showing up mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically? And if and you only would, address one, what about all the other pieces? You miss the magic. You miss you miss the GPS saying, turn here, turn there. <laughs> I love but that, it. But that's like listening. Like we all have our own intuition. Yes. It's just not all of us are going to make the MBA, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, um, but we all can tap into spirit. That's the one thing that we have gotten disconnected. When we tap into spirit and we tap into the world around us, the spirit bearings around us and we get centered, then we can hear the wisdom of our body. And we hear the wisdom of our body. The wisdom of our body is really the voice of our soul. And don't we have access to the wisdom of our ancestors in that space too? Yes, we do. I love it. It was very interesting yesterday doing the ancestral work with my, my elder. I'm very connected, and I, and I felt this even before I did this with my Ukrainian and Russian side, you know, that's where I have the multi-generational healer and intuitiveness comes from this line. 
Um, and it's my Irish Celtic side that is fractured. Mm. And it was interesting even doing this journey that I did yesterday where it stopped with my grandmother, ironically, because I was able to heal with my grandmother and my mother. And I helped transition through spiritual ceremonial practices with them. But all of a sudden after that, I said, I have no memory. I don't remember what she said. I don't remember the directives. I don't remember if I connected to any of the ancestors. There was a, a void. And that's magic. Like people will say to me, I don't remember whatever, reading, conversation, healing. And I, I always tell them, that's okay. You got everything you needed and you don't need to have a conscious recall of it. You don't because you got what you needed. And I think that's the key, you know, like in Japanese culture with our Reiki training, the philosophy really goes along the lines of martial arts. And that is you keep retaking the same classes over and over and over again until you get it versus American culture is you take a class, you have a piece of paper and you're an expert. <laughs> well, for all of those experts out there who are recognizing that they may want to get to know you and go a little deeper with you, where can people find you? I'm on every major social media platform, um, either under Healing with Spirit, Laura Healing with Spirit, or Healing Trauma through Spirit. And the website is www.laurahealingwithspirit.com. And we do have the Sacred Pilgrimage to Ireland, May of 2024. The registration will be opening up in September. So when this is, comes out, um, yeah, registration will be opening. Awesome. I can't wait to share some of your magic with the world. You've got medicine that the world needs. I know you know that, but I'm just telling you that, you know. It's whether or not the world is ready, because that's the key, right? The world right. also has to be ready to receive it. And and that's the dance, you know, and that's the dance. It's like, I don't want to shame anybody that, because I get it with the new age. I started out there and, you know, um, because it was open and, and we do all these things. But once we, once we get there, then we have to show up better. How do we do better? How do we, so it's always deepening that practice. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for this conversation. This Thank has been so much. fantastic. I so appreciate you and the time you spent with us today. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jamie, for having me. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you next week on Witches, Bitches and Dead People. Peace and badass magic. Thank you for listening to Witches, Bitches, and Dead People with Jamie Hearn. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in. 